So this morning I would like to start out and we're going to do something that's just a little bit different than what we normally do. So this morning as we start out in prayer. Okay. This morning as we start out in prayer. Um, normally as, as we pray, we start out with our heads bowed, our eyes closed in a time of prayer. This morning I want to do something that's just a little bit different. This morning I want all eyes open. I want all all heads up. Okay. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we want to offer you praise, honor, and glory. We pray to you, Father, and ask you, Lord, that you just guide and direct this study, that you guide and direct our hearts. We pray, Father, that you give us direction. We pray, Lord, for your blessing upon this study, upon the children's study that are going on this morning, and upon the services that follow. Lord God, we ask you to open up our hearts and help us to understand your word. Help us to understand what it is that you want from us. And help us, Lord, just to be faithful in all that we do. And Lord, help us to always put you first because you alone, Father, deserve our allegiance. In Jesus' name, amen. So the song that we heard this morning... As you were coming in, is a song called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. The history of that song is that that song originally came from India. The lyrics were based on the last words of an Indian man who, along with his family, had decided to follow Jesus Christ. In the middle of the 19th century... This man was called to renounce his faith by the village chief. But the convert declared, I have decided to follow Jesus. In response to the threats to his family, he continued, though no one joins me, still I will follow. His wife was killed and he was executed while singing the cross before me, the world behind me. His display of faith was reported to have led to the conversion of the chief and to many of the villagers. Something that I think is very important to note this morning about our study, about that song, about its origin, is that this man's faith and his stand was for God. And it was for God to get the glory, not for him to be glorified as a martyr. Sometimes those that take a stand for Jesus do it and have the wrong motivation. If we are motivated by anything, and I mean anything, other than obeying God, we need to be very cautious. Because God alone is worthy of our allegiance, 
worthy of our devotion, worthy of our worship, in the midst of oppression, persecution, and threats to our lives, God will sustain us as we trust the one and only who is able to deliver us. Three men during the time of exile refused to participate in idolatry. Trusting that God was sovereign and good. They were confident in his protection. One of the ways that we display the glory of God today is obeying Christ even when it's difficult no matter the consequences last week Pastor Kent reminded us that if we are going to stand for Christ we must be ready to face the consequences This morning, I asked you guys to do something that probably made the majority of us feel really uncomfortable. But why? We're in a safe place. We're in a room filled with those that are like-minded. Some of us were uncomfortable because to us, prayer is private. It's a time that we is between us and God. To some of us, when we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, it helps us to eliminate whatever distractions are around us. To some of us, it was uncomfortable because it's not what we've always done. And to some of us, I believe it probably just felt disrespectful. But I would like to challenge you this. If that same request was made in any other setting than our church, if we were out on a walk, if we were in travel, if we were driving down the road, would we feel the same way? I'm going to guess probably not. Because we know that we can pray at any time and anywhere. We are not restricted by where we can pray, certain times that we can pray, or situations that we can pray. That's one of the great things about where we live. But this is not the case for many people around the world. And this certainly was not the case for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This morning our study is going to be in Daniel chapter 3. And as we studied last week, Nebuchadnezzar had built this huge statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. For many of us, that's hard to picture. 90 feet tall. In our area, we don't have buildings 90 feet tall. 
to give you an idea, 90 feet tall is 10 stories tall. 90 feet tall is 15 six-foot men standing on top of each other. biblical writer went to great length to note the idolatrous nature of this statue that was plated in gold from head to toe. The word statue occurs more than 10 times in chapter 3. And as you know, God's people are forbidden to worship graven images of any sort. Let's start out by looking at Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 1. And if you're using the Pew Bibles, it's on page 133. And in verse 1 it says, you shall, make, you shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar nor shall you place a figure stone in your hand or in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. See, we should expect to confront idols even in our day. Idols are going to be anything, anything that demands our time, money and our allegiance now we may not live in the ancient city of Babylon but we are still exiles of this world as Peter puts it in 1 Peter 1 2 so what should we do when culture presses in on us and calls us to compromise by celebrating the idolatries of today. Let's take a look and see how three Jewish men that were in the exiles responded to the king's decree. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to start out in verse 8. It says, Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You, as king, has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and any kind of music must fall down and worship the golden statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the providence of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. Honoring and obeying God is not always popular. Sometimes, allegiance to God leads to serious problems. Sometimes life's threatening problems. 
sometimes life's threatening situations. The Apostle Peter in Acts says that we must obey God rather than men. When the time came to bow down and worship the golden statue, three men remained standing. No fanfare, no outburst of protest, no screaming and yelling, no drawing attention to themselves, just a quiet act of civil disobedience. And quickly, the enemies of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sprung into action and maliciously accused them of not serving the gods of Nebuchadnezzar. The enemies accused the Jewish men of failing to give their ultimate allegiance to the king. The reason Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down was not because they knew that their ultimate allegiance belonged to God. It didn't belong to any man. The critics came out in the open and they carefully called on King Nebuchadnezzar they started out with flattery. You, O king, may you live forever. And then they turned around and turned to his pride. And now King Nebuchadnezzar felt that he must do something to save face. Let's look at verse 13. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and any kind of music, Fall down and worship the statue that I have made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? That's a pretty bold statement. Nebuchadnezzar at that point had just lifted himself above God. Not only did he lift himself above the one true God, Nebuchadnezzar also lifted himself above any gods. It goes on in verse 16 to say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power 
of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you set up. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At this point, his pride had not only been welled up, but it was being challenged. His orders were being challenged. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he gave the orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. Seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. And so these men in their trousers and their robes their head coverings and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed the men who had carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Guys, do you see just how angry and in what rage that Nebuchadnezzar was in? He was furious. And he asked if the accusations were true. that these three men would not serve his gods or worship the golden statue. He asked them 11 times. 11 times. And all of those 11 times were before he even allowed them to give an answer back. Do we ever get so angry and so frustrated that we are looking for the right answer that we ask it over and over and over and over before we allow whoever we're speaking to to respond? That's where Nebuchadnezzar was at this time. See, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would just simply repent of disobeying the king, if they would simply just bow down and worship this idol, all would have been okay. The king would have been happy. It would have shut up those that were accusing him. But if they did not, they were going to be executed. And they were going to be executed immediately by being burned alive in the fiery furnace. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar asked a question. And he asked the key question to not only this entire portion of history, but he asked the same question to each and every one of us must answer. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Do we, before we get to that, sometimes it's really hard for us to read something like this. It's really hard for us to identify with Nebuchadnezzar at this point. But maybe we should. Because sometimes, do we not sometimes exalt ourselves? Do we not sometimes act as if matters of destiny are in our hands? That the choices that happen in life are all mine? Do we not sometimes draw attention to who we are? or who we know, or what we have done. Is that not the exact same pride that Nebuchadnezzar was dealing with? Nebuchadnezzar's question is indeed the question of ages. Who is the God who will rescue me? See, these three men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were glad, to have, were glad to answer that question. The answer that, to that question had been settled in their hearts a long time ago. My question to you is, at what point do you stand for what you believe? In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, Joshua says, As for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. See, God's people have to be courageous in the face of danger. And sometimes that danger takes us to places of proclaiming the name of God among the nations of the earth. Sometimes being courageous and standing up for what you believe is not comfortable. In verses 16, 17, and 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the most powerful political government, officials, and society on earth. And they made the choice to make that stand. Regardless of what the outcome was going to be, Three things were very clear. 
one is that God's servants bow down only to him and no one else. The second thing is God's servants trust in God's sovereign purposes no matter what. And the third thing was God's servants trust in God's power and protection and leaves the outcome to God. to say but even if he does not rescue us we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up they said that even knowing that it could cost them their lives Let's go on and look at uh, starting in chap uh, chapter 3, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm, and he said to his advisors, Don't, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Well, yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called out, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And when the governors and the kings and the advisors gathered around they saw that the fire had no effect on their on the bodies of these men not a hair of their heads was singed their robes were unaffected and there was no smell of fire on them nebuchadnezzar exclaimed praise to the god of shadrach meshach and abednego he sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except for their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation or language, who says anything offensive against his house, or, sorry, against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb to deliver, uh, will be torn limb from limb and his house made into a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. See, Nebuchadnezzar was so built up and so furious and so full of rage because he had been defied. And he took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
he was going to make a statement. He was going to make that statement to everyone else that was there. That if they did not bow down to his commands, to his gods, to his idol, that they were going to face the consequences. They did not pledge allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar. Then they would surely, surely face the consequences. But then something happened. Something totally unexpected. The king himself, Nebuchadnezzar, jumped up in amazement, in alarm as it says. The men did not die. In fact, they were no longer bound. They were walking around as if, as if being in the burning fiery furnace did not even harm them, did not even phase them. And more importantly, there was a fourth. Nebuchadnezzar put it it was like a son of the gods later on in verse 28 Nebuchadnezzar calls him calls that fourth person an angel now if we go through and we study out who is that fourth person you're going to find several different answers some are going to say that it's the manifestation of God's presence. Some are going to say that it's the pre-incarnate Christ. Some are going to say, well, it says that it was an angel. But regardless, the Lord was with them. The God that did not deliver them from their circumstances was the God that was there in the fire with them. The God who met them in the midst of their time of need. See, persecution is a lot easier understood when it's physical. When we hear things like how the convert stood up after losing his life and still said that he would follow Jesus. How Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up to King Nebuchadnezzar even though it could cost them their lives. Persecution is easier to understand and easier for us to perceive when it's something physical, torture, death, etc. But the great land that we live in, the place that God has put each and every one of us, what's the likelihood that we're going to get thrown in a 26-year-old fiery furnace? It's not very likely. 
but the fiery furnaces of our own lives are just as important. The decisions that we make are just as important. At what point do you stand for what you believe? At what point do you take the word of God and stand firmly on it and not let the idolatry things of this world change what you believe? Our society is changing. Our society is constantly being bombarded with worldly things. And we as Christians have to make that decision. Where is my point that I will stand firm? How can you live outside of the furnace? And if you can't live outside of that furnace, then how do you expect to live inside that furnace? How do you expect to live and stand firm in what you believe on the big decisions if you were challenged to stand firm on the small decisions? In order to do that, we have to make that decision before we're ever in that situation. We have to make that decision in our life, in our relationship. We have to make that decision as employees. We have to make that decision as business owners. We have to make that decision as teachers. Whatever aspect of life, you have to have already made that decision. Bible says what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul standing for God is not easy standing for what you believe can sometimes be uncomfortable God alone is worthy of our allegiance. God alone is worthy of our devotion. God alone is worthy of our worship. We sometimes get into situations and we ask God to remove us from that situation. God does not always remove the circumstances of our life. God does not always remove the circumstances for us to get in, that we get in. But God surely join us in them.
no matter how bad they seem, no matter how dire they seem, the Bible is full of promises and examples that God will be with you in the midst of anything you go through. Are you letting him? Are you letting him be a part of the challenges that you face in your life? Are you allowing God to be a part of the struggles that you face? There are so many struggles that we face in our daily lives from raising our kids to our relationships to you fill in the blank. What is the struggle of your life? And my question to you is, are you inviting God into that? Are you inviting him in to deliver you from that? See, sometimes God allows us to go into that darkness so that he can be the light that shines on it. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego needed God to send a rescuer, so did you and so did I. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He stepped into our hopeless situation of sin to pay the price that you and I could not. Wherever you are at today, whatever struggles in life you face, whatever situation you are in, are you inviting God into that? See, King Nebuchadnezzar went through a lot of cycles in his life. If you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar used to serve the one true God. And he let those little decisions of his life slowly move him from serving the one true God to serving many gods to building a statue, to building an idol. idol that was 90 feet tall 10 stories high that could be seen for miles see he lost sight of the one true God if there's even one of us today 
that has not accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I hope today is that day. And for those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you're going to face the fiery furnaces in your own life. They may not be the literally fire furnace of what we see with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they are the struggles that we are going to face in our own lives with our friends, with our families, with our relationships, with our employers, with our employees, whatever. You fill in the blank. The question is, is have you made that decision of where your line is? Have you made that decision where you're going to stand for God. And again, going back to the beginning of this study, please, please, please remember that even though I make a choice for stand for God, It's not me making that stand. It is God making that stand through me. And any time that we think that we are the ones that are making that stand, our theology is going to start getting a little skewed. And as it gets a little skewed, as with Nebuchadnezzar, it's going to lead us down a path in which we should not be on. Let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we want to praise you and thank you for this time and for this study. I pray to you, Father, that you continue to, to just build us up. I pray to you, Father, that you just permeate our hearts, that, that you guide and direct our lives. I pray to you, Father, that you give us the strength and the courage to stand firm on your word. Father God, if there is even one in here today that does not know you, I ask you, Lord, that today be the day that you make an impact on their life, that they may see that they are in a desperate need for a Savior. For those of us that have accepted you as our Savior, I ask you, Lord, that you just continue to build us up Continue to help us to be strong. I pray, Lord, that you continue to let your light shine through us. Because, Father, we cannot do it on our own. This we ask of you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ.